I'm Courtney. I'm Joe. And, and this, this is Courtney, Courtney and Joe, Joe Spoil, Spoil Everything. everything. We're back in the lab, this time in your favorite space and time continuum, the 80s. Yes. You gave me carte blanche to pick the next episode, and I didn't, I don't know if you knew where I was going to go with this one. <laughs> Literally off the reservation. This, <laughs> If anybody doesn't know out there, Courtney loves the 80s. She eats, sleeps, breathes the 80s. She was born in 86, which was more than halfway through the decade, but considers herself 80s more than anything in the world, which is pretty much the same with me in the 80s and i was born in 89 so yeah yeah um i love the 80s i like i i pretty much still look like i'm in the 80s so well we're watching dynasty or dynasty <laughs> as we like to say everything wrong on the show uh we're watching dynasty and when you first sent me the screenshot oh you well you what you said is hey joe we're gonna do dynasty so i googled dynasty and you said no not the new one the old one and it was just one yeah. guy with a bunch of beautiful women around him. And I was like, is this a show about a whorehouse? What are we doing? <laughs> no, this is a glamorous. Um, it's so funny because I knew you wouldn't know what it was because you're not only are you like at the end of the 80s, but you're not super into soap operas. So like <laughs> if you're in that world of soap operas, then you know what Dynasty is like in a peripheral way, if that makes sense. So I have no clue what was going on with this. There was... <laughs> So much hair and what I assume would be bush um, at that point in time. There was a lot of really bad, just ugly clothes and shoulder pads. It was like Yellowstone meets Tommy Boy uh, in a way because you have like this like ranch life. But then you also have no. you have what's her name in it? Um, the wife no, she, marrying that's not in. her. Yeah, that's it not is. her. That's Bo, Bo Derek. That's Bo Derek. And that's she's not in here. That's yes, Linda Evans. Is. That's Who's Bo Derek. Derek in the... No, that's Linda Bo Evans. Bo Derek is the wife. No, that's Linda Evans. No, it's not. I'll bet you my hands it is. <laughs> yeah, I gotta Google this. <laughs> they have a similar look. That's Linda Evans. No, they're the, the same show. person if this is like an actual <laughs> I've never I've... seen them both in the same room. Have you? <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm telling you, Crystal. Fuck it is. Linda Evans. You want to know what's even yes. funnier about this? She's one of my characters I researched, and I just thought it was Bo Derek. <laughs> no, 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 no. They do have quite a similar <laughs> They have a similar thing. It's They're so funny. You the same person. Stop. <laughs> it's so funny like, you describe it as Yellowstone. No, they're two different humans. But it's funny you describe it in that way because your description of it is almost more like Dallas. Who, which, do you know what Dallas is? It was a board game they played in the office on the episode where they were. <laughs> no, uh, it was a murder in Savannah. <laughs> no, that, that was different. That, that was murder in Savannah. No, they actually played Dallas, but they're missing a few pieces. So they're making their own rules and just calling it Dallas. Oh, I gotcha. Yes. Well, okay. Let me, let me do a, a Wait, so it's Bo Duke. And no, Bo Duke. The other girl. <laughs> Bo Duke is from. <laughs> I can't. Bo what Derek is who, not to our listening audience. Bo Derek is not in Dynasty. Bo Duke <laughs> and Bo Derek, the Bows, doing it big. And why does Bo Duke in this show not talk with his mouth open? He's always like he's squinting, like they're pointing like a, oh, a laser the in his one eye, that plays her and he talks with his mouth 
not open. His mouth barely moves. It's the mouth. <laughs> It's like a ventriloquist thing. Yeah. yeah, it's bizarre. I don't. I have. I have no explanation for that. I have. I don't know. There's a lot. <laughs> I want to like before we unpack the craziness that is Dynasty. I want to talk to you a little bit about something which is like before I turned on, I'm like, oh, this is going to be interesting because this is when they started doing continuous storylines. I think I've talked about this a little bit on here, where like prior to the 80s in television they didn't do a lot of continuous storylines because they weren't sure like it was the same characters but they weren't sure people would always like tune in week to week right and so like dallas which is <laughs> like a predecessor to dynasty it's one of its competitors but it came out a few years beforehand that's where they first started like the soap opera nighttime soap opera thing where they're going to do continuous storylines like they had this whole thing called who shot jr in the 80s and it was so big that as many americans tuned in to find out who shot jr is voted for the president of this year so like it was like a big thing and that's why i was super excited because television right around this time is like shifting like our culture and like doing cliffhangers and like really interesting things so i thought i'm like well this will be kind of cool because i've i've seen dallas so we couldn't do dallas but dynasty like is a good offshoot of it did you have any of those like thoughts going into that i know because i never watched dallas either i don't know but what you don't, I was you're, you're not into I literally like any turned of it. i well i didn't watch i never watched old tv you catch me up on new tv i was i cranked out two episodes of through her eyes it was yeah. awesome you ca yeah. catch me in the last like two decades when netflix and stuff came around i can lay it down when it comes to tv it's just like yeah. i was i never watched tv as a kid like i watched the kid shows yeah, like and cartoons and shit. MTV <laughs> and real world and real and road rules growing up. I, yeah. I never really got into TV. I was more of been always been a movie guy. Yeah. I oh, never had sure. time. I would always miss too many episodes and I never catch on to it. So like with sports and stuff, I could never commit to anything. Yeah. I understand that. Like I am so invested in this. Like I always, um, I like my thing I always say is like, I would, uh, anything I ever learned, I learned from daytime television. Like I learned about sex on days of our lives. I learned, like, I just, I'm so into TV that I look at it through like this different scope. So like, as I'm watching this, it's interesting to me to see the things that they explore that we'll talk a little bit more, more in depth that were really hot, like untackled topics at the time. Because they didn't used to do these like continuations, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's tough. It's tough to like. We'll we'll talk about it in this one, but there's a, a gay character, and it's they dive into it in very like inappropriate way, uh, right? Very like uncomfortable but ways. You could see how that's a tough topic to tackle in one episode or like yeah. two episodes. You know what I mean? So it's going to be interesting the way it plays out in this show. You can see them ramping up to something, right? Like you can see them on the cusp. I mean, this is 1980, like the very beginning of the 80s. You can see them ramping up to certain things in here that were kind of unknowns at the time. Because even when you think about um, homosexuality in the 80s, you think about not knowing much about it, but then they also had like the AIDS epidemic and they always like surrounded that around it in the eighties. So you could see this kind of like ramping up to like big, bigger cultural shifts. I know that sounds funny with dynasty, but there are some things that work here that go beyond just like the fluff of the show. Yeah, I could totally see that. And they also were talking about like global economic impact, impact of mm -hmm. oil 
and you know how it's you know raising prices and affecting the environment and stuff like that which i they kind of threw it in a few jokes here and there and a few punches between the kids and the father who's like a, a oil tycoon but you could see that some of the issues that are present even today um it must have been even weirder to, to like see them on tv back then oh right right i mean so this is um i mean this is literally 40 years ago 1981 so it's it shit is not that different i guess is which also is like the scary part of it you know mm -hmm. it's Absolutely. interesting um crazy, crazy people out there that think you can pray to jesus i mean the gay out of someone. <laughs> yeah there's some oh gosh let me give you a little background of dynasty just as a collective whole here which is that it's one of the true primetime soap operas of the 80s the only true one because it's the only one that ran fully in the 80s it ran from 81 to 89 so all of the episodes are contained in that decade whereas uh the other primetime soaps dallas was 78 to 91 knots landing 79 to 93 and falcon crest 81 to 90. So this is our true 80s soap opera, right? And Dynasty was created by Aaron Spelling, uh, who you know from like Beverly Hills 90210 and shows like that. So um, it's the first one to also air on ABC. And it was developed to be a direct competitor to Dallas, which was on CBS. And Dallas is also, I think you would actually dig on Dallas because it's also oil tycoons and it's like that southernness and like this, like, I think, I feel like you'd be into that one a little bit more than this one. Super weird because Aaron Spelling did TJ Hooker. Yeah, well, which like same time as this because um, Heather Locklear was also on the show. She wasn't in this episode. She was in it a little later, and then she left to go be on TJ Hooker full time. Oh, so I think he had a lot of irons in the fire. Oh, that's where Tori Tori Spelling's her his daughter. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um. So Dynasty was actually it was pretty well known because it was nominated for Golden Globe every year from eighty one to eighty six, and it won in eighty four. And then it was nominated 24 times for an Emmy, won one time in 1984 for Outstanding Costumes in a Series. One thing that's important about this to know, you're not going to see it as much in this episode, Joe. Like you, men you mentioned like shoulder pads and stuff, but this show is really well known for fashion. And it's going to be hard to imagine based solely on this episode. I think by the end, you'll see it, but it's because this is like the beginning of the 80s. I hadn't got into the real 80s flair yet. But fashion of the 80s is going to start taking off throughout this show. And we'll kind of see the evolution by the end. But um, it's so well known for what were called power suits for women. Do you know what those were? Oh, absolutely. I still know what they are. Oh, yeah. Those big. So for anyone who doesn't know, they were like these tailored suits with big, broad um, shoulder pads, really like in bold colors, usually. Um because fashion is what powers this show. Linda Evans, who played Crystal, even though you think it's Bo Derek, uh <laughs> coat ever. Yes. Big fur coat. That luscious. With the heels and everything. Coat. It was with the mute yeah. colors underneath. It was just for like perfect. a Tuesday at the office, visiting her man at the office. Yeah. Like I loved that. <laughs> and like she even started her own fashion line after this. Um, Joan Collins, who I'll explain a little bit more about her in a minute, she started her own fashion line after this. The costume designer for the series, <laughs> this, is, this is wild, Nolan Miller was his name. He had a $35,000 weekly wardrobe budget. Holy do you crap. know, do you know, now that's 40 years later. Yeah, to I was going to say, that's a to lot the of date. Money. Yeah, almost to the date because it started in January. So I did a little calculating. What do you think that would be in 2021 standards? Probably like 250000 Oh, A little less, one hundred and five. 
thousand and some odd change. So okay, this wow. still oh, imagine wait, okay. imagine a hundred thousand dollar weekly costume budget. So this guy in today's standards. So this guy made three thousand costumes throughout the series, so that none of the characters ever wore the same thing twice. And what it was really supposed to do was kind of be. Is it supposed to be like concentrated on middle aged women who wanted power, which was like a very, it sounds crazy, but was it like an up and coming thing in the eighties? Like we think about now and we think about feminism, but in the eighties, it wasn't like women were in power. This show is supposed to represent that. And it's supposed to be represented through the clothing. You know, it's kind of like that lioness thing, right? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I want to mention one other thing before I know you got some character stuff for us. I want to mention one other thing about Joan Collins, who we do not see in this episode and who we actually don't meet until the second season. Joan Collins is who is synonymous with this show. It shocked the shit out of me when the whole episode played and we never met her because I'm like, that's who everybody knows for this show. I put her as a character because I figured she was going to be in it. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. She is so well known for this show and that's, I was like, oh my God, and she she doesn't come to season two. It's an entire season without her. But when you think of Dynasty, if you know anything just from like a whatever perspective, you think of her in a power suit slapping somebody in the show (laughs) because that's what it is. She was was the thing of it. And the other thing, speaking of slaps, is that Dynasty (laughs) was the one show that was known for cat fights, whereas the other nighttime soap operas always had like men fighting. So it's kind of, it's all, it's really that women power thing. Um, she wanted to be the female J.R. Ewing, which if you knew Dallas, he's the head of Dallas. He's the big bad. He's the oil tycoon. She wanted to be the female villainess so that Dynasty could compete with Dallas. So that's kind of how, once um, she joined, it skyrocketed to the number one show in 1985. So she's the thing with well, Dynasty. I like the angle that they took at this then to come after them. That's pretty interesting. I didn't know that, that stuff about Dallas. Uh, for as far as characters go, we have John Forsyth who plays uh, Blake Carrington. He signed a $5 million contract with the director of Charlie's Angels in 2000 and 2003 just to voice uh, Charlie Townsend, which he Yeah, because was he voice. was the original Charlie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the original Charlie. Uh, but five mil just to say. <laughs> I like heard it and I'm like, he sounds familiar. And then like I was, as soon as it like dawned on me, I'm like, oh, he's Charlie. Uh, He was actually not the first choice to play Blake Carrington in Dynasty. Uh, That went to George Peppard, who played uh, Paul in Breakfast at Tiffany's, uh, was originally uh, cast. However, he quit one week into filming uh, the premiere due to creative differences with the writer. And Forsyth auditioned for and subsequently was cast for the role next. Uh, He's the only actor to appear in all 220 episodes. I thought that was pretty interesting because it seems to be a lot of different characters. And one thing I love about men during this time uh, is they're just a different being. He actually left his movie career to go service, uh, go into the service in World War II. He worked Mm -hmm. to recover injured soldiers who had developed speech problems. And his his military service actually finished before the war ended. So I just love when guys do that, like ball players and stuff back in the day, just dropped everything. To just go go do their duty. I mean... Jimmy Stewart, like he was so, he was such a well-known movie star back then. He did the same thing. It's like, and you know what I really like? Speaking of that, John Forsyth, I read that he never wanted any storylines that involved infidelity, like, uh, like, um, adulterer, like being an adulterer. 
even well, though that's kind of weird because it's pretty much the first episode so but he's but he's not like he's not married like i think once he marries linda evans character crystal mm-hmm. like i think there's probably a lot of power struggles and fights but i thought i don't i mean of course i have no idea what happens but i thought that was interesting when i read that because i was like wow you take a soap opera the first thing you think of is like cheating and lies you know what i mean but for him to like make that call i thought was really interesting next we have linda evans who plays crystal carrington and because of her character's name on dynasty she started advertising campaign for crystal light in 1984 oh that's funny in 2006 evans returned to uh dynasty and with her castmates to do the nonfiction reunion special Dynasty reunion, cat fights and caviar. Ooh, that's you know bougie. That? Yeah. In 2009, she won the fourth series of the British reality show Hell's Kitchen. Wow. Didn't know she was a cook. Wow. Uh, she met her future husband, John Derrick, right before the pilot of The Big Valley in 1965. Uh, Derrick called the show's producers to ask if he could photograph Evans. She moved in with him. By the end of 1965, it scaled back her career considerably during the eight years together. Uh, they separated in Christmas in 1973 at the disclosure of his affair with who? Oh, Bo Derek. That's why you... <laughs> who turned just 17 a month earlier. Okay. Oh, They're the same no. person. He was just like, you want to know what? You're too old. I cloned <laughs> you. And now the clone is old enough the for me to be with <laughs> Uh, another cool like celebrity fact I, I thought was pretty cool. She drove Ursula Andress, she was the Dr. No Bond girl, to the hospital the night she gave birth and Linda's personal assistant I just thought it was kind of cool that she like had to go and like locate uh, her her husband at the time, uh, Harry Hamlin on the set of The King Mountain when he was doing it and brought him to the occasion. I just thought it's cool like when celebrities do stuff for each other. I thought that was pretty funny. That is cool. I like that. Next, uh, Joan Collins. So she's pretty interesting. She pulled a reported 120000 per episode on Dynasty. Uh, she refused sure to work. Sure she did. She got a slap. She got to earn those slaps. <laughs> well, she actually refused to return to work on Dynasty at the beginning of 1985. Until she was given a raise, forcing the writers to write her out of the first episode of the season. It was such a bold move on their part because the season's cliffhanger was infamous of the Moldavian massacre in which all the characters were shot. All of them. Shut it, the fuck. I'm loving this show even more, Joe. <laughs> it would be very easy for the producers to fire her and eliminate the character because she'd already been shot. Yeah. However, she successfully negotiated a raise of about $60,000 per episode and returned to work only missing one episode. She appeared on 13 of the 22 episodes during the last season because the producers couldn't afford to pay her every week. This is amazing. I did know that thing about the last season, but I did not know that other thing. And all the characters get shot. You see why I fucking love soap operas? They're like, we'll kill you off season two. You come back from the grave season 10. No biggie. Like, I love it. I love it so much. And a fun fact, she met her fifth husband, that's five, Cinco, uh, Percy Gibson, who is not very attractive, uh, when she appeared in touring production of the play Love Letters. Gibson helped her edit her new novel, Star Quality. She was 68. He was 36. I knew you were going to say outrageous age. I mean, she looked good, though. I know. Like, go for it, girl. I'm just saying, he was ugly. Her? I was well, more yeah. concerned about he's not attractive than she <laughs> yeah. being attractive. Oh my gosh, that is so, but it's such like, 
it's I hate to say it, but it's such like a thing to be like a soap opera actress and then still be like that in your real life. Like, it's my fifth husband wearing yeah. my furs, you know, just like whatevs. You just go play yourself on the show. Yeah. Like, you just have scripted lines, but you're just being yourself. Hey, Courtney, guess what? Hmm. Live watch. <laughs> Oh my god, I am going to love watching this 4 by 3 aspect ratio for an hour and a half. And it yes. took a full minute and 32 seconds for the first shot to happen of just aerial views and classical music over the beautiful lush landscape of Colorado. And yeah. um, <laughs> this guy, Blake, gets picked up and he has a full fucking wooden desk in the back of his limo. Oh, full oh, yeah. wooden desk. That must have been made in the back because you can't fit that through the door. Um, you got to get business done on the road. Doesn't begin till three minutes and 20 seconds into the episode. The whole show doesn't start till three minutes and 20 seconds into it. My brain was going to explode if I had to listen to more classical music with helicopter shots. I was into it. No. <laughs> Did you like how the episode was entitled Oil? Too like, do you think there was anything sexier in the eighties than oil? <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently not in this thing because they're just love talking about money and just owning shit. It doesn't. It's like I bet very they thought that was. I bet they thought that was the slickest shit back then. They're like, oil. That's what. We, actually, the series was supposed to be called Oil, and they changed it to Dynasty. <laughs> they're like, you know what? We're gonna get oil in here somehow. <laughs> they're all like Texas people. Oh. Oh, well, they're not the Coloradians, but I thought, I don't know that's what you call them, but that's what I thought was interesting. I was like, well, Dallas is oil. Why are they doing that? Why didn't they come up with like, well, these are the, you know, what's another big business back then? Like nothing. Gold painting. <laughs> so you, Gold did not oil. Like the, you did not like the opening sequence. And the textile mills. Yeah. All right, so we open with Blake Carrington. He's a big, wealthy CEO, and he owns 70% of the voting stock of Denver Carrington. Uh, and he is going to marry his former secretary, Crystal Grant Jennings. Blake is headed uh, to give his fiance a present at her bachelorette party. And, of course, we have a wet blanket right off the bat. So Bo Derek, <laughs> she's opening. Uh, she's sitting there. Bo Derek with- is not opening anything. She's not in the show. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so we have Crystal. She's sitting there with a very silky tight shirt with no bra, of course, that she never wears throughout this whole thing. Um, she gets a whip and a joys of sex book. And we have a wet blanket at the party. Uh, and her name is Doris. And she is appalled at the sexual humor that surrounds a bachelor party. After after she gave her a riding crop, okay? So I was like, oh, Doris gonna do some, like, weird 80s S&M. So I'm like, that's why she gave the riding crop. But really, she gave it for the horses. And then as soon as, like, the book... Which, by the way, if you don't know, The Joy of Sex was, like, a huge book back then. That was, like, such, like, a thing to be like, oh, I got The Joy of Sex book. So, like, when they show that cover, it's like... The it's OG so Fifty time. Shades. Exactly, exactly. It's like the thing. Yeah, she was definitely being a freaking press about it. And then like, was that not the lamest? Like you called it a bachelorette party. I'm going to like loosely call it a shower. There were eight people there sitting in the, like a very 80s modern living room. It was not was a bachelorette a sh- party. It was a shower for sure. But like, I just wanted to call it a bachelorette party. <laughs> oh, because gosh. like the wedding's the next day. So like, I was just like bachelorette party. 
Yeah, everything oh seems God. to happen. Everything seems to happen within the course of like a day. And I was like, well, you didn't plan what kind of flowers you want for your wedding more than like a day in advance. No, this was a fucking. This is one of those long ass days in TV. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, despite her love for Blake, Crystal finds a transition of becoming a wealthy woman to the manor to be more than she bargained for. Mm-hmm. Crystal's friends worries that she'll never still never see her again. But Crystal assures them that she'll have them to the mansion very often. For its part, Blake is aware that Crystal has feelings for another man. His name's Matthew, uh, who is her ex-boyfriend Blaisdale. and geologist. Blaisdale. 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 <laughs> Uh, ge- he's a geologist for for Denver Carrington, um, and in the next scene, he actually asks his assistant to have his plane shot down over Kansas. So I thought that was pretty funny. But back up a little bit at the party, there was um, a part where she has these earrings that are the size of my baby's fist. Ser- well, did you first? So when the limo drives her, brings those in those earrings. Did you see the ring first? Huge huge and then she opens the earrings which were like equivalent to the ring size they used to actually a lot of the times on the show i read that if it wasn't called out what specific jewelry it was like if it wasn't from tiffany's the guy nolan miller who was the fashion director would actually like make the jewelry too and then everyone was so disappointed because it was like fake jewelry but was like what was he gonna do make like a million dollar like you know what i mean they're disappointed they couldn't go out and buy it or like it was like cubic zirconium or something. Yeah, exactly. But I did, I thought it was interesting because you know, it still is supposed to be like this big showing of how rich he is. They said he was worth 20 million, no, $200 million in 1981 Colorado. Like what does that equal in today's terms? Like how rich would you be? Well, what, what was the first math that we did? Well, the first math, when we figured out the fashion, it was $35,000 equaled today, 105,000 and some change. So, that's an increase of 70 over $70,000. So in million terms, probably a cool bill. Okay. Probably billionaire. So he's got, some, he's got some money and his place. Isn't just a mansion. It's damn near a castle. Oh yeah, for sure. I was like, this is in England and this is not in Colorado. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, Blake has been fortunate since he had Matthew sent away to the past year and a half to work on his oil rigs in some Middle Eastern country. With Matthew out of the picture, he was able to get Crystal for himself. But now Matthew is back is back as locals seized American oil fields and threw the crew out of the out of the country. Blake really is at one point. <laughs> oh yeah, that was like the worst fight scene I've ever seen. Uh, Blake is less than thrilled to have Matthew return to Denver before he can seal the deal with Christy. Are we gonna talk about not only the pimp plane, but what happens on the plane. Like the plane was so cool with the upstairs and like everyone was in like those, the stewards and stewards in like those bright orange. Like, get oh, I ups. fucking loved it. On his way back to Denver, Matthew happens to be on the same plane as Stephen Daniel Carrington, Blake's son, who's finding himself in New York City for about two years. Just, you know, finding himself, being himself, living off teat, if you will. I need to exclusively fly on this plane because it's big as a damn hotel in the sky. I think planes used to be like this, like more spacious. Did you notice because like the seats were in different spots? They weren't just like in rows. Oh, yeah. You had that little upstairs when you were in first class. Like planes used to be like this because I remember flying on some as a kid that were a little more like this. Nope. I've always flown shitty fucking cramped stuff. <laughs> uh, but on this plane, Stephen found himself 
becoming excessively drunk. Uh, Stephen mm-hmm. is upset that his father only sent him an invitation to his wedding and did not have the decency to, to, like, to call him. Stephen becomes rowdier and like absolute shithoused. Uh, so Matthew happens to know him, calms him down, like, hey, I'll take care of him to the stewardess. Uh, once kind of downstairs, they're talking and he goes, well, you know who my father is about to marry? And they just, they don't, he doesn't find out yet. So it's like a cliffhanger. They're building to something. And he He's keeps like talking that out. shit. So our boy just punches the drunk dude right in the stomach. It shoves him back into his feet. He's like, like, he wouldn't this. shut up. So he just like punched him in the stomach and he's like, he go, he punches him and immediately goes, it's okay. It's okay. Just, just put him back to his seat. Like no one got mad that he punched him today. You're dragged off the plane. If you don't turn off the cell phone. It would have landed but that he- bitch in a second and the TSA tase your ass and throw you out the side of it onto the tarmac. For real. <laughs> Blake summons Matthew back to Denver Carrington for debriefing or we seem to find out it's a way for uh, him and Crystal to meet and for Blake to gauge how the two feel about each other because they, they used to go out. Did you hear their interaction when he first got back to the office? When he bumps into Crystal, she goes, oh, you're back. No one told me you're back. And he goes, I'm back. And that's all they said to each other. <laughs> <laughs> and they just had fucking weird music playing all right. <laughs> Direct quotes. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Very deep passion that has to go with it. After uh, leaving Denver Carrington, she comes up to the mansion to talk about wedding preparations with Mr. Afferton. Starts giving her shit. Uh, he doesn't think that she's sophisticated enough to become a uh, Carrington. But fortunately, Stephen, who took a cab home because he was pretty much left at the airport. His dad never even sent the car for him, sent it for Matthew instead, because he cared more about if Matthew and his fiance still had a thing than getting his son home. Uh, puts this man in his place. He's like, basically just names these random woodwind instruments and asks them if they want to play that song. Tells them that if he keeps talking that shit, he's not going to work anything bigger than a cat show the rest of his life. I thought that, that was, was super funny. That was a really good... And he go. I like how he went from, like, drunk on a plane to, like, Beethoven's fifth. It's like, well, he sobered up quickly. But well, <laughs> I thought he was just, like, another fucking weird one in the family. But you come to find out this guy has the most sense about him. Uh, yes. It's just you meet him in a very vulnerable state in the beginning, which is understandable considering how he's treated by his dad. And he's very sensitive. He's very welcoming of Crystal because a lot of them, as the episode unfolds are not welcoming of her just because she's not like first and foremost nobody's as rich as them like they live in a sprawling estate and she lives in still like a nice apartment she's not like destitute well she was the secretary so they yeah. think that it, she's after the money and she's a home the gold digger and a home wrecker and all this other bullshit that's gonna come along with it and she's not fit to be like an heiress if you will. yeah right well blake is headed home he runs into his hippie daughter uh, riding a horse and she convinces him to ride the other horse home. And I thought it was pretty funny because she gives him like a nag about, hey, I got two machines over here that run on hay and get 30 miles to the gallon. And he's all like, all right, I'm going to come ride them home with you. And then one just throws her ass into a river. Um, throws her ass. She dived off that horse and I literally burst out into laughter. Like she, she like. Go back and rewind that scene. On purpose? No, she, no. Like, I mean, like, I, no, I think it was bad acting. Like, okay, she dove right. off the horse. Like, it was... Yeah, I was no, like, I saw her. I saw that. But, <laughs> but yes. 
so here's a weird scene because you think that Blake is a decent guy when he starts talking to his daughter, but you realize he's just a piece of shit. Uh, while Steven was finding he- himself in New York, on the other end, uh, Fallon was finding herself uh, in a soccer player in Greece. Uh, Blake Richards. <laughs> Fallon will settle down and wants to escort uh, her to Jeff Colby, uh, yes. nephew of Blake's rival Cecil Colby, uh, to Blake's wedding. Fallon feels this has nothing more than a merger attached to it because mm-hmm. Colby Co. is far larger than Denver Carrington. Blake sees nothing wrong with the arrangement. Besides, Stephen does not look to be a suitable heir because he's a homosexual. And well, they Blake, haven't said it. But... Well, Blake is aware of it and won't accept it. He doesn't know that Fallon's having an affair with actual their chauffeur, Michael, and that was just a little taste of yeah. how shitty um, Blake is as a father. Well, they get they get down in the carriage house. The they old do. Life. They have like, like a whole... It was like a Titanic scene going yeah, on out there. Yeah, for real but skis. It was, uh, it was, it was steamy. It was '80s steamy, right? Where it couldn't get to whatever. He's actually uh, the limo driver was uh, Roman on Days of Our Lives for anybody else who likes soap operas. But um, what I found interesting was you don't know this yet because you don't know a lot about Dynasty. The Colbys are the other family who come into this full swing. So the Carringtons and the Colbys are the focus, which surprised me that we didn't meet any of them in the pilot episode i expected Mm -hmm. to meet them because i know that much about it and i feel like this is the scene where we realize why the show is called dynasty you know what i mean because he wants that like it's not just about oil it's not just about family it's like about building something and about being the best yeah and having like arranged marriages and stuff as you did Mm -hmm. like emperors and uh kings and queens and different stuff like that and yeah uh, i definitely Got that? Like, I thought Blake was being a good guy until he turned and was like, "Basically, I'm going to marry you off to the Colby." And he was like, "Yeah, what's what's the matter with that?" Well, I don't know, Joe. Like, how prevalent was that shit back then? Because I mean, what were those things? Dowries were used to pay like for somebody yeah, to, but they're to not marry your daughter. In, they're not in like Western Europe. No, I know. Still, I just or like India uh, or Asiatic countries that still kind of did that. It's still kind of do, but I just don't know. I just don't know. Forty years ago, how prevalent that was, or not. I don't know. Well, I... usually, what happens in a dowry history lesson is the one who has the woman has to give money to the man. Right. Right. Doesn't make sense because they're trying to move up the ladder. Okay. So they're trying to get more out of the Colbys. So what they what a man did is the, the father would give uh like a sheep or you know, all the way up to money and gold and whatever to take care and pay for the wife. Like you're going to oh, go take care of my wife. Versa. It's not vice versa. Okay. It's not paying for the woman. It's the guy paying to get the woman away from him. Uh, yeah. I mean, either way from a 2021 lens, this is outrageous, <laughs> but you know, I'm trying to look at it from a 1981 lens and understand maybe what was going on. And that way we can kind of understand is Blake a piece of shit or not. Of course, yeah. looking at it today, we think, wow, this guy's fucked up. Then I don't know if he would have been looked at in that way. I just don't know. Very true. But when Blake arrives home, Crystal is anger, angry as all hell and tells him uh, she's starting to get second thoughts about the wedding. Then she takes a cab instead of Blake's limousine because that, like everything else, is owned by Denver Carrington. Crystal starts to think about the spark that she previously felt when Matthew said, 
welcome back and decides to clear <laughs> her head by meeting up with him in some secluded place in the mountains. Crystal asks Matthew if he still had feelings for her and he lies and tells her no. The truth hurts, isn't it? But the truth isn't hard to say. You just spit on it, kick some sand on it. You're a die. He talks like an old Indian scout. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> He's got just these one-liners. There's Aesop's fable. Let's move on. It was just so weird. They didn't show how they got there. There was no car or anything. They're just like on a random side of a hill. They're standing 30 feet apart like COVID. And she's just staring <laughs> off in the distance. He's just staring there with just... With his like completely beige outfit, this man only owns a wardrobe of beige, and like you said in the beginning, he fucking he hasn't changed since the Middle East when they showed him getting on the plane to come back home. Yeah, since they grinded him in the dirt in the Middle East, it's so stupid. But at the mansion, Blake and his kids are eating lunch at a preposterously big table, and (laughs) Fallon is glad that Christy is gone. She didn't like her anyway. Stephen wishes that Fallon gave her more of a chance and. You know, he just lets her know that he knows about Fallon and Michael. Yeah. Well, Matthew's trying to get his life together now. Since Crystal is kind of, he thinks it's over. He decides he's going to go pick up his daughter, who has been at the grandmother's for a cool year and a half. Um, Yep, just chilling. Yep. And he's going to go, they're going to go meet his wife, uh, Claudia, at River Haven's Santarium. A nut house. Why does he keep his wife in a nut house? This is going to be interesting. I had a feeling because uh, when the daughter was just away and mom was somewhere, like I had a feeling that she was going to be. Yeah, well, the sanitarium must be kinder, you know, a mental health facility. <laughs> what? Well, I'm trying to speak in '80s terms here. Well, he's like, he's like, you're out of the loony bin. Let's go get some steaks. <laughs> <laughs> For real. Uh, so he, him, and his daughter Sarah Jane playing tall. Um, decide to go get some lunch at a diner, which where the wife is um, uh, a waitress, and Matthew strong arms his wife to come back. Strong arms her, being a complete dick. He was so pushy, like you could tell this woman's like barely hanging on. She finally got to work as like a waitress, and he's she's in the middle of the ship, and he literally is like, "Go tell your boss it's time to like you're leaving. We're gonna go get some steaks and fresh corn." I'm like, peace out. Like, I haven't seen you in a year and a half. I just got out of the loony bin and you want me to go have a steak dinner. Yeah, she's like, I don't know dinner. if I can make it. Yeah. Like what? She's literally, she could just losing her mind. She's like, last time you saw me, I was being dragged down the street. Yeah. Like what was happening? He went from like a semi-sympathetic character, like somebody who looked like they had been hurt to be like, well, this is more important. The daughter needs you. And the daughter looks straight up scared of the mother. Oh, yeah. I would be scared, too. I haven't seen my dad in a year and a half, and all of a sudden he wants to fucking play house. Yeah, it was outrageous. I didn't give it, but I'll tell you what, I didn't give a rat's ass about these people. They could go. Yeah. I didn't need them, right? Yeah, like, I didn't need whatever. them here. I don't know. Maybe it comes into play later. But Blake tries to woo Crystal back by buying her a whole floor shop and getting it delivered to, a ho- to her house. And I'm having an allergy attack. Like, I was literally, my throat was closing when they placed the dog made out of flowers. And I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. She would look like she was elated. Like, oh, my God. Like, this is so romantic. But, like, literally. You couldn't move. He then begins to promise her a cheap dinner to prove that money isn't everything. Crystal wants Chinese. So Blake wastes 
Denver Carrington's plane flying her to a restaurant in Chinatown in San Francisco, but at least the dinner was under $20. The ploy works well as Blake and Crystal talk about their disagreements to start planning a big wedding over a flip of a fucking coin on the on the plane. Yep. He's such a pimp. He's like, I'm just going to flip this coin. Heads, we get married. Tails, we don't. He's like, like Tails, this thing, this thing lands and you just walk away. Did you notice in that part when they're talking about money, she's like, I didn't even have $200 to bury my father when he died. $200? Like, times have dramatically changed. It's like 10K to bury somebody now. Oh, not even. Mine was, my father's was 12K and he had the plot already. Holy Absurd. It was a one day thing too. Not like those two day dragged out things. Yeah, that's unbelievable. I did. I knew she was going to say when he flipped the coin, though, when it, it landed on tails. I knew she was going to be like, I was going to say flip it again, but she goes, best two out of three or whatever. Corny as fuck, but whatever. And they start making out. I'm like, ooh, it's loose skin and old balls all over yeah. you. He's he's conservatively 20 years older than she is. Yeah, like Bo Derek, you can do better. Um, <laughs> Good God. When happens? Well, just before the ceremony, uh, Andrew... Lilliard, I'm going to call him Lilliard, even though his name's Laird, because I know you love Lilliard from Scream. Uh, mm-hmm. Denver Carrington's attorney asked Chrissy to sign a prenuptial agreement that stimulates that she won't have any money if her and Blake get divorced. Uh, despite Fallon's ironic attitude towards the somehow humiliating procedure, <laughs> I say, I say, I say, Crystal is willing to go and sign it. I'm sorry, I'm losing my mind. This is the longest fucking episode. Well, it just shows, well, it just shows, well, this whole part just shows that Crystal is genuine, right? She's not in it for the money. The money's always been a thing that kind of turns her off. But there's a couple hysterical things leading up to this where I almost died. Like, this is supposed to be like a bajillion dollar wedding everything's so extravagant the chefs are in the kitchen literally rolling pillsbury he's like carving a melon yeah car- everything was shaped into animals like the like the limes looked like frogs but then phelan goes in you missed this part phelan goes in and sees the wedding cake and she takes off the bride and groom which used to be made of plastic apparently in the 80s they were made of like cake and bites the heads off the bride and groom and she's just like <laughs> like that's like her that's big the funniest part she goes to the room and starts antagonizing her. And then when the the lawyer knocks on the door, she goes, oh, is she, she ready? Can I come in? She goes, yeah, they just finished the body work. They're just doing the paint yeah, now. The- <laughs> it was so many weird things. I was like, oh, is these supposed to be like her evil like little moves? Like, I don't know. And then she, she was, was and then she was like, the, you go in the way the Bible says. You come in with no money and you leave with no money. That's what a prenuptial agreement is. Yeah, she was so weird because, like, when she first entered the picture here earlier in the episode, I was like, I guess she's just supposed to be, like, annoying. But then when she started doing these things, I was like, well, is she supposed to be the villain? No, she's just she's just disgruntled middle child. <laughs> oh, hey, actually, you know what's funny? And we don't we don't know this. But there's actually four kids in the wet. Because when it comes, IMDb comes up with the, um, like, the two line of description. Yeah. It's like, oh... There are four kids in the family. Fallon, the you know spoiled whatever. Stephen, the homosexual. Amanda, who like Joan Collins' character is like kept away from everybody. And then some other one named Adam, who they thought was like kidnapped as a child. I'm like, oh, now that's the storyline I'm here for. He's <laughs> <laughs> been living in Boca Raton for the last three and a half years, and no one's talked to him. Yeah, I'm like okay. Anyway. Well, as we go to cap off this wonderful episode, we get a weird fucking moment. Blake is finally ready to talk to Steven. 
Blake feels that Steven has been living too long on the Denver Carrington team, and he wants him to come work for the company and work for something for once in his life. Steven takes some attitude towards mm-hmm. uh, about working for the company and says that they're gouging consumers in the United States and ruining the country. Blake defends these allegations that they're not true and does not need any morality lesson from a homosexual. Then he tries a softer approach and promises Stephen that it help him pray the gay away, something that Stephen does not want to hear about. Blake tells him that uh, it's a shame that the American Psychiatric Association declassified homosexuality as a mental illness because he would create a charity in his name. And Blake decides to ignore his son and viciously walks away. And that's the end of our episode. We don't even get to see them get married. I'm very, I'm cringing because, well, you know, the other thing about this is the character who played Steven here, he left partway through the series because they quote unquote cured the character's homosexuality. So he was replaced with another actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's replaced with another actor. And then all of a sudden, while after that, he's gay again. And then I believe the original actor comes back. I'm not positive, but that was a point of contention because apparently at some point in this, which is such like an old fucking timey thing to do is like, you're saying like, pray the gay away. Like uh, it was so cringeworthy. He actually called it at one point, homosexual experimentation. Like I just, uh, they don't know. It's like one of those things, like I said earlier, it's like 40 years ago, they just don't know they're ignorant, you know? It's, it's so cringy fucking, for us. I hated but... it. I hated every second of that conversation. It oh, was, it was tough. the worst. Yeah, it was tough to take. But it does end like that. It's just like, well, I guess I'm and it like literally it ends with him being like, I'm gonna go get married now. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like, like oh okay. fuck yourself. Yeah. You're cut off. See you later. <laughs> wow. Um, so much to unpack here. What is your overall like how what'd you think of this? I I liked it. In the sense that it didn't kill me to watch a soap opera, but at the same time, I was like, "This so much. This is going to be just like, so much weird shit that's going to happen." After I read that all the characters were shot at the same time, oh, I'm like, I'm, I'm bummed you even told me that because I literally want to watch the finale and watch all this. Like, I want to go back and watch these. I like it. Like, I know you like it. I you you thrive. You're thriving <sighs> watching an '80s show. I was in my glory, and Justin actually watched it with me the entire hour and a half. Like, <laughs> like I don't know. I just, yeah, God bless them. But um, I just liked it because it's, I look at it through a 1981 lens as far as storytelling, as far as the way television is being created then. I liked it for those reasons. Like, I don't, yeah, through a 2021 lens, it's a little like, okay, this is Magoo. You know what I mean? But I like it for its time. I think it's cool. I think it's interesting. And I think like, I think when we get to season nine here and when we get to the finale, it's going to be shit because that's why it's canceled. Right. It probably obviously went down to rating. Yeah. And if they couldn't afford to pay their, their big actresses and actors and actresses right. and stuff like that. I mean, I, I didn't mind it. Like I liked it. I just don't like old shit. That's why we barely do anything. We're going to do more old shit. Right, but, I, I mean, <laughs> I don't mind doing more old shit, but it's just like, I don't actively seek old shit to watch. I mean, it's kind of hard to see what happens because like there's nine seasons like characters change actors change it's like a typical soap opera right like you can't watch days of our lives and go okay what happens like every fucking day is different so i mean from a big standpoint what are your predictions blake's gonna die in the finale Ooh, 
I didn't even think of that. He's the only one that goes all the way through. So they have to kill his character off. That's interesting. Also because of his age. Stuff like yes. that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 They he's can a little easily bit older. do age regression over nine years to be 20 plus years. Sure. Of course. And I find it interesting that Linda Evans is not in the finale. So mm-hmm. are they still married? You know, that's something that. I bet that they're still married. I bet she's off doing business and they couldn't afford her for the last episode Maybe or something. Takes over the business. Yeah, I bet that there's something like like you don't see her, but she's there in the background somehow, and there's a big fight between John Forsyth and Joan Collins. Like I feel like that's gotta be the last episode, right? Like the two yeah, that were the exes. It's gonna be a power shift within the family. Um uh, definitely. Yeah, this is so uh fascinating i i'm very interesting to see where this goes i have a feeling that the ending is going to be a little shit just from my just because it goes on so long long it's nine years it's like yeah i I have that yeah but i love but i really love that we're gonna see is we're seeing the very beginning of the 80s and the very end of the 80s which i think is really interesting so for that i'm excited all right, so thanks for joining us today. Follow us on Instagram at Spoil Everything Pod. This was a fun one. I uh, can't wait to pick it up, and uh, we'll see you guys next Tuesday. Mm-hmm.